0: You are listening to Colorado Outdoors, the podcast for Colorado Parks and Wildlife. Hey, what's going on, everybody, and welcome to the Colorado Outdoors podcast from Colorado Parks and Wildlife. I'm your host, John Livingston. We've got a unique show for you today as we sit down with the director of CPW, Jeff Davis. Director Davis was appointed to his role by Governor Jared Polis and started with us on May 1st. He came to CPW from the Washington Department of Fish and Wildlife, where he had served since the year 2000 in various roles, including most recently as Director of Conservation. Jeff has extensive experience working with leadership, legislators, tribal nations, the hunting and fishing community, conservation groups, and Washington's Fish and Wildlife Commission. Join us for a conversation about what led Director Davis to Colorado, what has driven his passion for conservation work, and all those key issues facing CPW, including wolf reintroduction and the implementation of the Keep Colorado Wild Pass all right without further ado we are here with the carl parks and wildlife director jeff davis uh jeff thanks a bunch for joining the show
1: yeah thanks for having me
0: you know you started at the beginning of may i know it's been a very busy few months but uh can you just introduce yourself to to the audience a little bit
1: sure yeah um born in, in, and raised in washington i'm i'm envious of. Uh, folks that I've met that get to stand up and say they're fourth, fifth, and sixth generation Coloradans. So uh, I know uh, both myself and my lovely bride uh, always comment how fortunate we are to to be here in Colorado and why did it take us so long to get here. And everyone here has been so welcoming. Uh, It's been really refreshing. A little bit about my interest in natural resources and my my background. It goes back to when I was very young. In fact, um, recently I had to work with uh, some staff to help me uh, work with Washington to pull up my Hunter Ed card from, you know, over 42 years ago. So uh, it's been a long time uh, out in the woods uh, and along streams and rivers and camping and hiking uh, for me that that interest in those values really are passed down from my Grandparents through my dad and, and to us kids uh, growing up. Maybe a little bit about my, what I call before Colorado or BC days. Uh, I was uh, working at Washington Department of Fish and Wildlife for over 22 years in various levels from the, you know, a field biologist uh, uh, to my kind of final position at the department there as the director of conservation policy in the director's office. Um great people there, amazing biologists and law enforcement and engineers. And uh yeah, they helped me grow up, I guess, uh, in this in this field. Um, very, very blessed to be here as part of Colorado Parks and Wildlife Team. This this agency, I'm I'm a little biased, but not totally, because I've only been here four months. But uh the, the folks here at CPW are the best of the best. And CPW's reputation in the country is is uh, very high. so I'm I feel so uh, like this is a dream job for me to be part of a team like this and and to, to have a, a the parks and the wildlife together I think is amazing.
0: For outsiders uh, or for folks uh, you know working in the world of conservation outside of Colorado, what is it about CPW that uh, gives it some of that reputation um, you know for for other states?
1: Yeah, I I think it's a, a several things. Um, the scientific credibility, our researchers are top notch, and this agency's ability to take that research and to apply it to our management of, of uh, fish and wildlife is is amazing. But I'd also say the and I'll keep saying this, it's that parks and wildlife. So essentially, our mission statement is the best in the country. It it says. You know, manage wildlife and uh, support a quality state park system. And uh, I think we do those very well. And I think in in every case, we have a lot of opportunity to to grow uh, how good we are uh, on all those fronts. But if you can imagine like with a mission statement like that, the beautiful part that makes that mission statement stand out from others is that it's we're we're not supposed to do that just for current generations. We're supposed to do that with the mindset of also looking forward and providing, uh, making sure that those opportunities uh, are perpetuated long into the future for future generations of people. Um, be that 5.8 million Coloradans that we serve today, uh, plus uh, a significant number of visitors to Colorado. I think that's really, that's a, a super noble, I guess. Um, for a, a mission, and and our 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 staff rise to that occasion every day in serving um, the public.
0: Yeah, with somebody uh, who has a two-year-old at home, I think about that so much more now when I'm out on the landscape. Of, you know, I love enjoy you know, fishing these certain creeks or going to this lake every year, you know, being underneath these mountains. And uh, now I start to think about that, you know, I want, you know, my son to enjoy this someday and, you know, his kids as well. I think that idea of stewardship and uh, furthering, you know, those resources for those future generations is so key to what we do here at Colorado Parks and Wildlife. Um, And, you know, it it is an honor to know that, you know, other states are realizing that too and, and look to us for that. Now, was there ever a moment where you decided, you know, this wasn't just going to be a hobby or a passion, being in the outdoors and uh, loving wildlife? And uh, was there ever a specific moment where you said, you know, I want to make a career out of this?
1: Yeah, great question. I um, This takes me back. I, I, I want to say, and I don't know, don't hold me completely to it, but it was around uh, when I was maybe eight or nine years old, I remember uh, my dad taking us uh, uh, to the Lowland Lake Opener in Washington, and he had a friend that lived on a lake there, and and we were out in, in a boat, and we were just pulling one rainbow after another, and they were all like 14 to 18 inches, and I remember looking at my dad and saying, you know, Dad, when I grow up, I'm going to work for the Washington Department of Fish and Wildlife, and and he had that look in his eye, like I just said, I wanted to be a firefighter or NASA astronaut, and and it was it was one of those like, sure you, sure, yeah, keep dreaming, um, and uh, imagine my dad's surprise when I called him up one day and said, hey Dad, guess what? I work for the Washington Department of Fish and Wildlife. I I thought he was going to break into tears because he was so proud of of that like within there's so many people that that want to be part of an agency like ours here at CPW. Um, I get so many emails from the public that are just expressing you know some that say hey that my experience wasn't as great as I thought but uh, some really touching ones where uh, our staff um, whether it be at a park or or you know in in some sort of fishery experience uh, or a hunting opportunity, um, or just watchable wildlife. Folks send me emails on a relatively regular basis that just say, thank you. Like, here's here's my story of my experience in Colorado.
0: Yeah, no question. You know, I've been at Colorado Parks and Wildlife for two years now, and, uh, you know, I work with so many people who have been here 25, 30 plus years. Uh, they're just such a wealth of knowledge. But what, keeps surprising me all the time is just the full scope of everything that we do in this agency. When I first got hired, I didn't know we had energy liaisons and land use managers and water quality specialists. And that's just a few of the folks who work in like the region office, let alone all the researchers and everything that's happening in this agency. You know, what has surprised you about just truly how much this agency does and the full scope of all the different professions that we have here at CPW.
1: Yeah, just the breadth, like you you just expressed, John, it, it's folks that are in marketing and and folks that are working on philanthropy and folks that are, uh, a lot of folks making sure our licensing and registration system is working and then park rangers and park managers that are picking up trash and talking to campers and, um, and the, of course the biologists in our, wildlife officers and just what they do like they get a call in the middle of the night and on goes the uniform and out the door they go to make sure that the public uh, is you know getting the responsiveness that they need and expect so the the passion I think is unrivaled I I feel like that's part of why people stick around for so long uh, at CPW is there just a lot of passion I, I think what one of our uh, opportunities we have is is making sure that it's not just the passion that are keeping the people here at CPW, but that we're also fostering a really healthy work environment for everybody right so that everyone feels included so that we can really do our best to serve the, the, the public uh, and meet their expectations.
0: Yeah, I know you've been engaged in, you know, interacting with so many of our staff members, over 900 uh, employees here at CPW. And just in the last week, you've gone around to all the regions uh, meeting with everybody. What's it just been like getting a more face-to-face time with the staff and uh, just hearing from everybody who works here, um, you know, as you undertake your, your role as director here?
1: Well, I'm a I'm an in-person person. <laughs> so for me, uh, virtual virtual land is is uh, less personal, but still meaningful at a at a particular level. But really, um, getting to meet people, uh, I feel like I've, I've been you know again, I've only been here four months, but I'm going to meetings and going, oh yeah, we talked on day two, or um, and and like I said, these not just Coloradans in general, and I, I don't know how to put it into words, but this place is pretty special. It, it, if you come in from outside, maybe you can see or feel that change. Um, not saying that Washingtonians aren't, aren't special in their own regard, but folks here in Colorado just are really super genuine folks with a long history of like working through tough stuff together through partnerships. Uh, and our staff are totally a, 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 an example of that. I mean, just great people, really intelligent Um want to connect with one another, want to connect with myself. And I just have, have appreciated um, folks opening up and sharing what their experience has been here at CPW and, and sharing ideas of uh, what we can do to, uh, to make this uh, place even more special going forward. Uh, and then, you know, we got work to do to make sure that we follow through uh, on those ideas. And um, we have uh an executive team here that um has a, a lot of passion about our our staff and uh and our mission and uh our i know in in several conversations really looking forward to rolling up our sleeves and and creating this the, the cpw that really maximizes our our full potential
0: yeah, no question. You know, you said, uh, you know, this is an agency that's used to working through, um, you know, tough situations at times. And you've come on board at such a crucial time for our agency. Uh, there's so many just big topics that are out there, whether it's gray wolf reintroduction, uh, the implementation of the Keep Colorado Wild Pass. Um, you know, as we're looking at modernizing uh, the agency as we go forward, uh, there's just so much to dive into, you um, what can you just say about all all these big topics that CPW is facing, and um, you know the staff that that's working so hard to tackle these issues?
1: Yeah, it's you know it's always a it's a blessing that you you have new opportunities and uh, and resources to tackle those. It, it, it's amazing how something maybe if you were outside CPW, it looks like well, it's just KCW. But I I have to say it's like the it's like a a modern truck engine (laughs) where there's computer chips everywhere. There's really fast moving parts and there's staff that are doing amazing jobs just staying on top of all of those moving parts and making sure that uh, we're delivering on the the public's expectation around uh, those opportunities, whether that be Wolf reintroduction or KCW outdoor equity grant program you know leaning into our partnership with uh goco uh in in the outdoor strategy development i mean it's just we have so many folks here and it's the usual right um that's part of making this place a a better place to work is making sure that we're not burning people out too because folks have that passion and there's a ton of work and Uh, oftentimes, you know, they'll work themselves into the ground if you don't pay attention to it, but, but yeah, lots of fast moving parts, but uh, the opportunity, uh, for us to launch is, is sitting right in front of us, um, with a ton of support, I'd say from, from the public in Colorado and, and the tourists that come here. And, uh, we have an administration that really has been supportive, uh, on all fronts in what what CPW does and wants more of us uh, out of that, but it's been a strong partner in making sure that uh, we get the resources we need to, to get that work done.
0: You're listening to the Colorado Outdoors podcast. We are here today with CPW director, Jeff Davis. You know, let's dive right into one of those bigger topics that we just mentioned. Um, and, you know, I know as right as you started here, the Parks and Wildlife Commission uh, unanimously approved the Wolf Reintroduction Plan put forth by uh, Colorado Parks and Wildlife. It was a long process working with the stakeholder advisory groups and the technical working groups and all the various stakeholders throughout the state of Colorado. What can you just say about where we stand today uh, here in September as we approach, uh, you know, what the Uh, Legislation said was to you know try to get those paws on the ground by December 31st of 2023. uh, Here, just a couple months out.
1: Yeah, uh, day two. It it was a a good timing (laughs) to come in uh, for folks to be part of you know adopting that plan uh, by consensus, right? And that that's that speaks volumes. Before I hop into maybe where we are today, I, I can't I can't skip past how monumental that day was and the days before that um i feel like colorado should be pretty proud i know wolves always uh, no matter where you are they they come with conflict they come with kind of ends of the spectrum and folks in the middle and it can be really challenging to get that whole spectrum in a place to be okay with a plan going forward um and and I know, you know, having a plan doesn't mean that all the worries go away. Uh, it's just part of a phase of Wolves in my experience. But having the, the staff that works so hard on that to listen to understand all the components of the public and what, what they were worried about and what they needed out of um, this effort um, what, it is phenomenal. And then to have a commission that's that has diversity on it um, vote consensus to approve that. Um, it was a good timing in that I, I on day two I I got a plan and that starts phase two right, which is okay. We got our marching orders. We got our marching orders through the the citizen initiative and the law, and then we got our um, marching orders uh, for phase two. Um, go implement the plan and. Uh, those same staff that um, you know they could have been they were worn out I'll say that uh, after you know pulling off a a consensus adoption of the wolf reintroduction plan and and yet they uh, they rolled up their sleeves and continued pushing forward to make sure that we didn't have any delays in the initiation of that plan so that brings us maybe to the point of your question Um, we're sitting in a really good spot and I can't say enough uh, to the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service's efforts uh, and being a partner with us. And um, boy, if you talk about rolling up their, uh, your sleeves, they did that in spades. And I think we're sitting in a really good spot to be on track for uh, being able to release wolves before or on December 31st. Now, I I do want to make, make it clear. Like, I, I think some people tell themselves a story of, CPW is going to have 10 to 15 wolves in boxes, you know, we're just going to pop the doors open and they're all going to run out and we'll be done. Um, The reality is, you know, we're going to try to stagger those releases out. That's just how captures work. You never just go in and and capture 10 or 15 of them all at once. That's a lot of processing. We also want to take really good care of these animals uh, as we always do. Right. Um, We didn't get into this business to, to make mistakes when it comes to animal uh, care. and and so we'll see, I'm hoping that we see releases, multiple releases throughout the release period, which really starts kind of at the beginning of December and goes uh, uh, into March. So um, but uh, i'm I'm pretty hopeful we're we're still having conversations uh, with states like Oregon and Washington. Um, and we're uh, we're feeling, Pretty confident that um, between our conversations with those states and and maybe some tribes that uh, we'll have some wolves to to release this this uh, release period. The service, my congratulations to them really are my my thanks for them rolling up their sleeves. Is um, you know they they could have been way behind on the ten J conversation, which really ten J is really critically important. It's the mechanism that we have to actually implement the plan uh that was adopted and uh and the service has really gone above and beyond to make sure that you know we do uh, a a nepa process that would normally take two to three years um they've they've you know they're on track to have that done in a year and a half so that helps us stay on track for our time frame and uh and and make sure that we have oversight over the implementation of that uh, plan through an experimental population designation.
0: Sure. Yeah. And you mentioned it a little bit, you know, I think some folks um, don't realize maybe all that goes into um, relocating animals and um, the conditions that we may need uh, out of potential state partners in the northwest uh, whether you know there's there's snow on the ground that makes tracking these animals a bit easier uh, there's just so much that that goes into these processes that uh, maybe just the the general uh, public may not realize um, looking forward to following along as our, our staff is working with those partners um, during that process uh, it's truly going to be a, a historic time for colorado whole country is kind of looking at colorado parks and wildlife and how this happens but you know even folks across the world are going to be kind of tuned into this is it um pretty surreal to to be going through this historic process
1: yeah it's um it's interesting john in that um i think you're right the whole world's going to be watching i think uh, our national media is definitely going to you know be pushing to 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 cover that and um but yeah it's a big deal Um, uh, on all all aspects of that spectrum, right? It's a big deal to those uh, uh, ranchers that are going to be in the in the areas. Um, these animals travel far and wide, right? So it's not like we we uh, we can predict where they're going to go and where they're going to set up. But that that's the other part of this is um, taking care of the animals, but also taking care of the people, um, especially those that are most directly going to be affected by their presence on the landscape and I can't say enough to CPW staff you know whether that be the our um, district wildlife managers our area wildlife managers and our non-lethal team Um, we got folks out there on the ground we're we're uh, working with um, Colorado Department of Agriculture to like getting the word out and making sure that ranchers and farmers don't feel like they got to deal with this on their own, that we do have resources. We're um, stockpiling uh, non-lethal um, equipment now and, and uh, working with landowners and and NGOs to make sure that, you know, many hands make light work and uh, you can't just put non-lethals out there and leave them. Uh, they they require maintenance. So we don't want the ranchers and, and farmers uh, taking the whole brunt of, of wolf uh, reintroduction there. So we'll be out on the landscape with these folks and we'll be communicating uh, as regularly as we can uh, to make sure that uh, they feel like we're being responsive uh, to their concerns and needs.
0: Yeah, you mentioned those non-lethal methods of conflict mitigation. I'm fortunate enough to, um, in the Southwest region, the game damage program is facilitated by the Southwest. And I've gotten to interact with Adam Baca, who was hired a year ago, who really specializes uh, in those tools, um, seeing what he's been able to do with flattery uh, out on ranches that have already been dealing with uh, the wolves that naturally migrated into Colorado from uh, Wyoming a few years back and uh, just really special to see uh, the commitment and the expertise that um, we already have staff on board uh, utilizing these tools. i um, excited just to see how that uh, program continues to grow um, as we go forward. But with that in mind, uh, Director Davis, we can switch gears to the other really big topic we've been talking about all of 2023. At the start of the year, we rolled out the Keep Car Wild Pass where vo- um, a motorists could add a park pass to uh, their um, uh, motor vehicle registration for $29, a few various uh, price points for, for folks who qualify um, for other programs. But uh, I would like to say a, a great success. I was reading already that surpassed $30 million uh, of revenue raised for the agency and over a million passes have now been sold in the state of Colorado. Um, what can you say about what the Keep Colorado Wild Pass means not only for the public in increasing people's access at a better price point to enjoy our state parks, but also what that funding allows this agency to accomplish?
1: Our resources are are often separated by constitution and the statute, right? So this is one of those areas and I'm, I'm backcasting. I I've only been here four months. (laughs) Uh, but as far as I can tell on the, on the historical front, you know, the, the wildlife side of things had a lot of revenue coming in to support both from the hunters and anglers, um, and the, the park side really didn't have much out beyond just registrations, um, much of a a financial resource to support it was you know we have a few parks that make a decent amount of money and that those monies were then reinvested across the state in um in the other parks right so having keep colorado wild uh it funds not just the parks right and and that's operation of of our parks we have real recruitment and retention issues at at our state parks and so uh, this will be a, a phenomenal resource to make sure that we keep, you know, we keep the best of the best, uh, and we keep recruiting the best of the best uh, to our park system, so that all of our park goers have a, a quality experience that they should expect of us. But that money also, so it, it fills up a parks bu- bucket, and then it spills off into things like. Funding for implementation of non-game species through our state wildlife action plan, right? So it it's funding broader, uh, uh, additional conservation efforts to uh, our our game work that that we do. It also spills into a bucket for search and rescue, um, additional educational opportunities. So it it that that resource will really allow us kind of that full scale of service delivery. Um, so that we're supporting uh, the entire mission and making sure that people have a safe and enjoyable experience whether you be on a state wildlife area uh, state park or or in the back country and know that you know we'll we'll be on our way if you need us uh, out there
0: yeah you know and how, how do you kind of envision and what's the hopes of, of the success of that pass, uh, you know, growing even more in future years as, you know, uh, we look to make um, that big impact, not only for our agency, but, you know, places like Colorado Avalanche Information Center and those search and rescue groups that you mentioned, Um, you know, how do we as an agency continue to grow that pass? Yeah. Thanks
1: for that question. I, I, I'm remiss at not saying right out of the gate that our marketing, our marketing team and licensing department of licensing have been phenomenal in getting the word out about that pass. And I, I think that the more time we have uh, and the more we learn from those initial marketing efforts, that uh, the the better we'll be able to connect with more people and that those resources will grow, that we'll reinvest into the services that we provide uh, to the public.
0: You know, that, that funding piece is always at the top of mind as an enterprise agency, Um, you know, that includes hunting and angling registrations as well. Um, You know, how important are all of these different funding sources to our overall management goals, you know, whether it's, uh, you know, grant funding for trail maintenance for groups, uh, as we look to modernize our, our state fish hatcheries, um, and overall just wildlife habitat improvement, as well as funding all the research opportunities that uh, we, we help fund out of this agency, just how important do the continued sale of not only Keep Colorado Wild, but those hunting and angling passes, uh, what do they mean for our state?
1: Uh, it's everything uh, we, we don't. So uh, I'll say this, our uh, our staff are, are this agencies and our public's most important asset when it comes to providing the services that we're expected to provide through our mission. Um, and if you don't have funding, then you don't have quality staff. If you don't have quality staff, then you don't you're not providing meaningful service. Uh, to the public and uh, delivering our own mission, so the the funding is so important. It's the foundation of of our opportunity to be successful um, on behalf of that mission. I'll I'll also say, you know, there's you you mentioned a few of the the fees, um, the hunting license revenue that we get. Uh, the fishing fishing is bigger than I think very many people talk about in Colorado it's a big it's a big thing and it's huge from an economic contributor to um you know mostly rural which is really important when you think about the economic diversity of our rural communities that uh, hunting and fishing is huge to those as as well as state parks and drawing people to those rural areas uh, and so they, they they take their money and and spend them in those areas that really rely heavily on uh, infusion of outside resources. Um, but we have folks like the uh, the OHVs um, that continually say, "Yes, let's let's talk about our registration fees and and, uh, and and how we might be able to invest those registration fees or the revenue from that into things that come back to um, not just OHVs but other people that are. Uh, out there um, enjoying those uh, trails and and uh, parks that we can provide those opportunities for. So it's huge. Um, operations and maintenance is always a challenge for when you have capital facilities. That's one thing KCW can help with, too. Um, but we're also really uh, investing uh, some of those resources into capital improvements. You, you mentioned hatchery modernization. Um, you know, I fr- came from Washington. They're the largest hatchery system in the world. And, you know, when you say that, it's like you have hatcheries from 1929 or 1943, right? And the operation and maintenance of those as you go through time, it's never that they're funded evenly through time so that the maintenance, all the maintenance is done and and you hang on to that facility and it operates at full capacity for as long as possible, in my experience, oftentimes there's highs and lows in those investments in maintenance, uh, and that can shorten a, li- a lifespan of that, of those. And, you know, research and technology has improved vastly, right? So you, you, you can find yourself in a, do I keep putting band-aids on this particular hatchery or, or do we go big or go home, right? And get a real modernized hatchery that that can reduce cost and increase production rates. Um, um, with that larger investment uh, going forward, so we're we're being really smart about um, you know the money that we do have, and 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 challenging ourselves to not just react to things that are going on today, but really be proactive and looking forward as far as we can see uh, when we make when we make those investments. So uh, yeah, without the revenue, we couldn't do what we do. Uh, for the public, and for wildlife resources.
0: I think along with the revenue, the same can be said for all of our partnerships. It's not just our, our fellow land partners like the Forest Service, the BLM, National Park Service, uh, Fish and Wildlife Service, but all of the the nonprofit groups and the stakeholder groups uh, that we work with that help us achieve that mission almost just as much as that that funding piece does, right? So, I guess, what does it take when we talk about partners a lot here at Colorado Parks and Wildlife, and I think that can be viewed in so many different ways, but even though just our communities or counties that we're working with on some of these bear grants that we're getting and, and helping make sure that uh, we're limiting human bear conflict, how many partners and how big of a word is that uh, in our agency when you consider all the different groups that we do work with?
1: I'm trying to think if there's anything we do on our own. Um, I gotta be honest, we got friends of this state park and and um all of the partners just from outdoor recreation, right, that are part of our co-op, for example, or our, our regional partnership initiatives. Um, it's it, it I mean, this is something there there's partnerships everywhere in other states, but this is part of why I, I said at the beginning that Colorado's a special place. I've never seen so many and such strong partnerships. Um, people are so proud of this place and the natural beauty and opportunities that it provides. And um boy, the partners rally around. and uh, that that's part of the difficult work, I think that sometimes happens in those partnerships, right? It's wildlife conservation at the same time. Um, thinking about uh, how to do uh, enjoyable sustainable outdoor recreation for example and all the different interest groups and stakeholders and partners that come together that represent their aspect uh, of whether it be wildlife conservation or or a particular type of outdoor recreation and folks roll up their sleeves dig in and and uh, i've seen a lot of really good things uh, come out of partnerships today um yeah it's it's everything i you know we're we're talking about groups i just mentioned groups but i'll say um providing the type of opportunities we have here in colorado in the absence of partners with great landowners um for example we have ranching with wildlife and some folks may look at that and say oh it's it's a hunting thing and and i have to say uh, going around at least the northwest region Um, visiting with some of those folks that participate in that program. They're doing things like sage-grouse restoration. And it's kind of neat to go from, say, 20-plus years ago where the calls were, come get your wildlife off our property, to now having those landowners altering even how they, say, graze their lands. Uh, in order to make sure that they're being uh, great stewards uh, of the wildlife resources is pretty phenomenal. And we, we, you look at private lands. Uh, we don't have the type of wildlife populations and diversity in this state in the absence of partners with those private landowners. I mean, they're they're phenomenal. Um, and I'll say I'm looking forward to growing. Um, relationships and hopefully partnerships with our our tribes as well i you know coming from washington state we had 29 treaty tribes and and they're phenomenal partners too and and th- through their indigenous knowledge and just their own practices and knowledge of their the land and and cultural resources they're uh, a really important partner uh, to have involved in all of these conversations
0: as well yeah no question you know how I, I think this is a, a big topic on the mind of pretty much anybody in the world of conservation these days. And really doesn't matter what state you're in, but in Colorado where uh, recreation, outdoor recreation is so uh, key to who we are as a people. Um, I, I think obviously there is more of a spotlight on it here as well, but so how do we manage the needs of, you know, a growing state with a growing population, but also increased outdoor recreation and, um, And then, you know, the the wildlife habitat and, um, you know, the needs of, um, you know, our wildlife species in the state. Uh, I know it's probably one of the biggest topics and challenges facing everybody in the world of conservation. But, um, you know, how do you see um, the need for us to to figure out both of those uh, topics? Yeah,
1: well, uh, I think in CPW, we don't really have an option in that we have, again, that mission statement that says, manage wildlife provide enjoyable sustainable outdoor recreation and it says quality state parks our goal is world-class state parks uh, right so we don't we we're an agency whose mission says take care of the outdoors uh and connect people uh in a meaningful way such that they care for the outdoors more than we do uh tomorrow right um it's it's uh We, I'll say this like, we have a lot of really important efforts underway that I think are going to build a roadmap uh, to the solutions to your question, John. I, um, one of those is we're, um, a great partner of ours is, uh, Great Outdoors Colorado. Uh, we couldn't do a lot of what we do as an agency and as a partnership without GOCO. Uh, and, uh, and we're both stepping kind of side by side into the outdoor strategy, right? Um, so there's that piece. We've got uh, habitat um, planning, uh, corridor planning and strategy plan development. We're gonna be updating our state wildlife action plan starting um, very soon. And all, all of these important works are all talking to one another as we go forward so that hopefully through our scientific knowledge and expertise, as well as our partners, and uh, those, the strength of those partnerships coming forward will have real information in front of us, whether it be recreation data and or wildlife data, and through those plans, some strong recommendations built through those partnerships that will say, hey, here's how Colorado wants to try to do that. Uh, and then I think the test is really always adaptive management. So continuing to monitor or fill in gaps in monitoring so that we can test the strength and effectiveness of those plans. Are they performing the way that we anticipated, or do we need uh, to come back to the table and, uh, and recalibrate some of those strategies or actions going forward?
0: All right. I wanted to bring up maybe a, a recent topic and then go back to something you said at the most recent commission meeting. Um, I've, you know, even done CNN news today talking about a bear that we had uh, that yeah. we had to humanely euthanized in Telluride um, last weekend. That stomach was completely blocked by paper towels and wipes and all sorts of human garbage that it couldn't digest. And this bear uh, effectively was going to starve to death because it was so blocked up. I remember at the last commission meeting, you said something that was really striking about you know Washington having wildfire problems. And a lot of times those wildfires are caused by humans uh, not doing their part. Um, and you mentioned that in Colorado, uh, a lot of the bear problems are a people problem too. And I think we try to educate our, our communities, our visitors, even our longtime residents uh, who still need those reminders about bear issues. But um, I, I just really loved what you had said about you know, in Washington, wildfires are a people problem. In Colorado, bears are, are a people problem too. What can you just say about what we all need to do to work together to really minimize those human bear conflicts?
1: Yeah, it's
0: I hate to say it, but the the actions themselves
1: are simple, John. Right? It's like um, don't put your garbage out the night before. Like maybe wake up a little bit earlier and put your garbage out the morning of, um. I know we keep investing resources. This was a priority for Governor Polis, right? Bearwise garbage uh, cans. And um, uh, I think that we hand out about $1 million in grants uh, annually uh, to local governments that are trying to build programs to help their residents tackle this problem. Uh, I think there's um, partnerships with the disposal companies too, right? Because we don't want to put folks out of business um at, at the same time or as an unintended consequence right so it's 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 folks talking to each other and figuring out a system that can can remove uh those uh, attractants um garbage is a huge one um, and there's sometimes you, you, we're not going to avoid it, but, you know, there's bird feeders and it's like, OK, well, but I like my songbirds in my backyard. And then, OK, a bear grow, uh, develops a behavior. um, And so I think there's little things like cleaning up those contributing factors. And yet the challenge and, and this is the challenge, I think, for social scientists is. Um, and I, I always think of it like the diffusion of innovation curve, right? So you got your, uh, innovators that are just like, yeah, let's do this. You got your early adopters that are like, Hey, my neighbor just did that. And I'm, I'm in, um, and then you got your early majority, right. That sees the innovators and early adopters doing it. They, they dig into it and understand it better. And so they start practicing that behavior Um, the tipping point as per the research says, if you get to 21% of that curve, um, then usually you you get that vast majority of that curve. Um, I just don't, so a lot of people are just like, yeah, I'm going to do this. Like that, the fact that that bear had to be euthanized, um, and, and it's because of a human behavior, like I'm not going to contribute to that. And I think there's a lot of people that are in that space. I think there's. A lot of people that also feel like they want to do that, but but there's that psychological piece of it, John, that it's like, how do you get those people to opt in uh, to reduce uh, those behaviors uh, going forward? And, and that's one of our fundamental challenges, um, growing our, our partnership and relationship and uh, cooperation, collaboration, whatever word you want to describe it as with local governments, I think is going to be huge. Um, and then being responsive i uh i appreciated the your last podcast uh, with our um our wildlife managers uh in regards to the bears um i think there's a perception out there that if you call cpw we're going to come out and 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 remove the bear and uh I, I can't say enough that there's just a really small percentage of bears that find themselves in a situation where it becomes a real public safety challenge, um, and some of these bears can teach their young that public behavior too, uh, and and so it it, it can. We don't want to grow the public safety problem, um, but there's so many of these bears that are reloc relocated or don't repeat the behavior. But if you got if you especially in this fall period, if if we don't clean up the the garbage and the other attractants, um, these bears don't have. They, they will be drawn in. Um, and, uh, and it puts them in jeopardy, and it puts people in jeopardy. So we, we, we need to make a lot more progress, uh, especially as you were saying earlier, with a growing human population. Um, we don't know what's going to happen as far as carrying capacity on these landscapes into the future. And and so it, it it's something that we 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 got to get past the reaction point and uh, and 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 work all all of us together in Colorado, uh, to make sure that we're making progress to avoid and minimize these in into the future.
0: Yeah, you mentioned that misperception about, you know, folks not wanting to call CPW um, and thinking that's best for the bear. I was actually doing some calculating on that, and out of all the thousands of bear reports and sightings and incidents that get reported to CPW in a calendar year, 0.01% of those lead to a bear either being trapped and relocated or or euthanized. It's just, you know, the, the numbers really show that, um, you know, we always – lean more toward, hey, let's go uh, address the situation, see what attractant we can remove, how can we educate uh, a homeowner or a landowner about an issue. And then the problem takes care of itself because the bear naturally goes away uh, back to an area where we'd like it to. So uh, always just addressing that misperception and and uh, hoping communities and the public are, are willing to work with us because, you know, we always have the best interest of that animal in mind. All right, we'll leave you with this one. It seems like there's always what's next for CPW. We tackle all these huge issues. Uh, you know, I know we're already starting to look at maybe some bison research and the Wolverine topic has been coming up, uh, looking at that for introduction. But let's say five, ten years from now, as you're looking at what we've all accomplished at CPW, what are some of those big things that uh, you're really hopeful of um, that we will have rolled out and we can say, you know, we did a great job with that?
1: yeah I, I think um, great question. I, I think continuing to be leaders around wildlife management and our research and um, and when I say that, the you know applied science on that so that our wildlife, um, not just big game species, but our overall biodiversity and our uh, ecosystems health is intact, if not better, then than than it, it it is today in our conversation. Um, the the other part I would say is that we nailed the your earlier question about how do we do wildlife management well and outdoor recreation well at the same time, and that we're doing that, and that we have truly achieved having the world-class state park system um, that is meeting the needs of that growing human population, which means that we've expanded some of our existing parks where that's appropriate and that we brought new park systems, uh, online and that those are adequately funded. And we have, um, we got, uh, we're retaining and recruiting staff, um, at levels that, uh, you know, they don't have, uh, plates that are overflowing (laughs) with workload, but they, they're happy and, uh, they're helping our, park uh, visitors um, enjoy their experience there. So basically too many words to say, John, we've nailed our mission and we've handed it to the next generation of managers that will be growing up in, that are growing up in CPW right now uh, in a manner and, and challenge them, do better than we did.
0: No question. Well, thank you, Director Davis for your time today. I really appreciate you joining the show. Uh, Welcome to Colorado. I know we're all looking forward to working alongside you. A lot of uh, working with all of our partners together and uh, achieving that mission together. So um, we'll, we'll be with you right there. Every step of the way. All right. You've been listening to Colorado outdoors, the podcast for Colorado parks and wildlife. Be sure to subscribe and join us for future episodes where we'll continue to explore the awe-inspiring landscapes, wildlife, and outdoor experiences Colorado has to offer.